1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit explicitly says, note that, it's the Spirit who says this. This is not Paul. Paul is speaking the words. Paul's got somebody perhaps there writing them down in this letter to Timothy, but Paul's not the one who's saying this. The Spirit is saying this, and he's not just saying it, he is explicitly saying it. I'd say we ought to pay attention The Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith. And yes, that word fall away is apostasia. The same word we've talked about recently. And the context here is very clearly the way we use the word apostasy. Some will fall away from the faith. Now you may theologically have a problem with that. Take it up with God. We are told that in latter days, in the last times, you might say, some will apostatize, some will fall away from the faith. Not all, but some, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. There's a lot of deception out there. There are doctrines that are flat out wrong. I want to reiterate something that I said on Sunday morning. I hope you heard it then. If you didn't, I hope you hear it tonight. Don't put your hope in the Moedim. Don't put your hope in the Maserot. You put your hope in the Messiah. Because the Moedim, that is the seasons, and the Maserot, the signs or constellations, they just point to the Messiah. That's the only purpose for them, is to point to Him. To direct our gaze to Him. Don't put your hope in the seasons or in the signs. Put your hope in the Savior, Jesus Christ. He is absolutely the key. If you hope in Jesus, you will never be disappointed. He is the source of all our hope. Now again, the Bible clearly warns that some are going to fall away from the faith. And we're going to talk about what that means in specificity on Sunday. We're going to get into just those first five verses. You might want to read those between now and then and meditate on what it is that Paul is saying. And we'll discuss that on Sunday. But the issue of not being deceived comes down to one thing. And one thing alone. Whether or not we know Jesus. If we know Jesus Christ... Deception is not a concern. If we take Jesus at His word, we don't have to worry about the words of other people. He is our key. Do we trust Him? I was challenged after Sunday, via that brave face-to-face medium known as email. And it was also apparently posted on Facebook by someone I don't know, but this was someone who describes himself as, quote, a Christian on a path to keeping Torah. And I read that and I thought, good luck. Because Torah is perfect and you are not. Anyway, he he wrote a point-by-point critique of Sunday's teaching. I love when they do that. And at one point he chastised me for skipping over the Sabbath. And not really dealing with the Sabbath. You know, in the beginning of Leviticus chapter 23, as we were studying Sunday, the first couple of verses begin with the Sabbath, and then go into the seven feasts of Israel. But God starts with the Sabbath. And I made mention of that, and I said it wasn't the Jews that kept the Sabbath, it was the Sabbath that kept the Jews, and that's about all I said about it. And then moved on, and and so he chastised me for not talking about it, not making a big emphasis on Shabbat. I even think he used the word lame. So... I just, I need to respond, not to him, but to you all, to understand something here. Jesus said, and here's the point, this is how we understand the word, and this is how we avoid being deceived or confused. 
Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We were not created to keep this thing called Sabbath. This thing called Sabbath that God ordained was so that we would find rest. So that we would slow down because we are too lame to realize we need to slow down. And the Lord set that into place. And I value the idea, the concept of the Sabbath. But I'll tell you what, I don't keep the Sabbath to find salvation. I guard my Saturdays. I do. Those are family times. Times with my wife and my children and the Lord. And in that way, I agree with the idea of keeping Sabbath, but it is not a salvation issue, my friends. Jesus said the Son of Man, speaking of Himself, is Lord of the Sabbath. This is His deal. And furthermore, Paul wrote that Jesus canceled out the certificate of debt, which is the law, by nailing it to the cross. So do you believe in Jesus? Do you? Do you believe He died on the cross? Alright, that's where we go. And then Paul said this, after saying that the the law to us, the law is perfect, but we're not. So he nailed it to the cross. That is, he fulfilled it. He kept it. He became the perfect sacrifice to cover all our failure of law. And after writing that, Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Type it out in an email. Zing! Send it off. (laughs) Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. But listen, the substance belongs to Christ. He's the substance. He's the point. The reason why God even established Shabbat was that we would realize we could find our rest in Him, our rest in Jesus. Well, if you're ever challenged as I sometimes am, goes with the territory. If you're ever confused, if you are ever unsettled or uncertain, there's a very simple answer. Bring it back to Jesus. Just bring it back to Him. What does Jesus say about it? What did Jesus do related to it? And I use the Sabbath as just an example of that. Because again, there is so much deception out there. Even little deceptions. There are people deceiving who don't even mean to be deceiving. People speaking untruths who don't even know they're speaking untruths. I have been guilty of that myself. And the only thing that brings me back to the truth, the only one who does that, is Jesus. So we come back to Jesus and back to His Word. And over and above constellations and celebrations, the point is the Christ. Amen? Amen. Revelation 19.10 says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so He is the key to avoiding any deceitful doctrines. Naomi came up the stairs this morning and she casually said, actually no, it was yesterday morning, came up the stairs and and casually said, I wasn't even home yesterday. When did you come up the stairs? Last night. No, it was this morning, wasn't it? I am t- See, I was at a conference the last two days, so I don't even know what... What day is it? Is it Sunday morning? Are we Sunday yet? It's when... Thank you. Wednesday. Okay, so she came up the stairs this morning and, and she said, Dad, did you know this week is supposed to be the end of the world? Now, she wasn't here on Sunday. She was visiting her sister-in-law. And so here's the thing. And I love that she asked that. Did you know that this week is supposed to be the end of the world? There was a whole discussion she had in her ballet class about the end of the world this Saturday. I hope you're ready. 
Actually, I do hope you're ready. Not because I believe it's going to be Saturday or tonight or any other time. I, I believe that there is a time coming. But you know what? I'm not worried about the end of the world because I'm looking for the beginning of the kingdom. That's what it's about. It's not, oh no, death, doom, despair, destruction. No, kingdom come. And that's what we're looking forward to and what we desire. The millennial age promised by the Hebrew prophets and the New Testament prophets throughout all the ages. That age is coming. It will come. Now I need to talk to the kids for a second about this. Because a lot of kids and teenagers, when they hear that the end of the world is coming, or even that, well, he said it wasn't the end, it's really the beginning, so that's a little nicer. But still, i got stuff I want to do. I have things I'd like to experience in this life. There's some kinds of foods I haven't yet tasted. There's some relationships I've yet to have. I want to get married, some might say. I want to have children. I want to have a life. I want to get out on my own, out from under my parents and experience adulthood. And I say, why? (laughs) You see, I've experienced adulthood. Most adults think, man, I miss when I was a kid. But anyway, so there's there's kind of a fear that that you're going to miss out on something. Children, teenagers, that, that... Man, I I don't want to miss out on growing up and all the great stuff in life. How would you like to be invincible? How would you like to never get sick? No more flu, no more vomit. I mean, that sounds good to me. How would you like to never get tired, never have to go to bed, and wonder what's going on downstairs that they won't let you in on? How would you like to be able to just pop into a room? 27 miles away. Just because you feel like it. How would you like to travel without speed limits? See, I'd like that one personally. I think that'd be great. How would you like to not be restricted to your body? See, when we think about the end of the world and kingdom come, especially the younger we are, the more we think, I'm going to miss so much. No, you're not going to miss anything. I promise you, you're not going to miss a thing. You're going to suddenly be in what the Bible refers to as your resurrected body, a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15.51 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So you're not even going to feel it. It's just going to happen like that at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now those my age and older are going, Hallelujah, Amen. We will be changed. And no more pain and no more headaches and no more physical infirmity and no more struggles and no more worries of life and no more stress. We will be changed. But kids, get that. You think, I don't know, you think Iron Man is cool? Or some of the Marvel characters? It's amazing, all the superhero movies, all these people who can do these amazing things. They got nothing on Jesus. And they have nothing on what we will be when we are like Him because we see Him as He is. At the last trumpet will be raised imperishable, the Bible says. That means perfect, eternal, powerful, able to leap tall buildings. No, no. We will be in our perfect bodies. Luke 20, verse 34, Jesus says, We cannot even die anymore because we'll be like angels, sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. In a new body, a new life, ready for the kingdom. And I promise you, it's going to be awesome when that trumpet sounds. 
when that trumpet sounds. I think I told you years ago I had a retreat out at a, at a campsite in, in the woods of Virginia. And we were talking about Jesus coming and everything. And we took the kids all out to this campfire space up on a, on a little hill there, a little rise above where we were, we were staying. And I had a guy in the forest with a trumpet. Some things look really good on paper. Other things, not so good when you have teenagers screaming, running down the hill. You can imagine what happened. We started talking about, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. And as soon as I said, and the, and the trumpet will sound, I mean, pop it up, you know, and the kids, Whoa! We had a couple of them pass out. <laughs> Jewish tradition believes the resurrection of the dead will occur on the first of Tishri. That's what the Jews think. That's kind of what's been passed along. It's not, it's not in the Bible. It's on this day it's going to happen. But that's Jewish tradition. On Tishri 1 will be the resurrection at the sound of the trumpet. What Paul taps into by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he talks about the trumpet sounding and he talks about the last trumpet, he's tapping into something that Jews even at that point already kind of thought was going to happen. I want you to listen to something. Just listen for a minute. the shofar. And what you just heard, I actually got from Mark. Most, most of what I'm teaching this week, I got from Mark. No, I, we, we were talking, and he shared this, and it's a video clip, and it's actually a woman who went into St. Anne's Basilica in Jerusalem, which is a place we always stop on the tour, and we go in there because the acoustics are stunning, and we'll go in there and just sing a cappella, and it just, it, oh, it's, it's unbelievable. And you sing a line, you stop, and it just kind of keeps going. So this video is of her in there, and she's playing an actual shofar, and she does it in four parts. And these are the four ways that the shofar is played. Understand this. The first one's called takaya, and it's one long opening blast of the ram's horn. That's the first thing you heard. Takaya. And then shevarim, which is three broken blasts of the shofar, of the ram's horn. And then teruah, as in yom teruah. Teruah is nine staccato blasts, and then at the end of it, Gedola, which is one long final blast. Is that what we'll hear? I don't know. I know it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye, so I don't even know if we're going to have much time to hear anything before it all takes place. But you need to understand what we just heard took place, well, just a few hours ago in Israel. See, we are here about, I think we're off by eight hours right now. Changes, depending on the, on the year. After nightfall in Israel, eight hours ago, because right now they're approaching morning, at the first sighting of that sliver of the new moon, Yom Teruah, the day of the trumpets. 
Teruah, again, being those nine staccato blasts. Many Jews see today Yom Teruah, they call it Rosh Hashanah. And you guys say Rosh Hashanah, say it like those, say Rosh Hashanah. That's an Americanized way of saying it. Say Rosh Hashanah. Oh, your Hebrew's beautiful. Really nice. Many Jews right now see today and the celebration that they're having as Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. We mentioned that briefly on Sunday, the head of the year. And so yesterday, on September 19th, which was the 28th of Elul, which is the Jewish month right before Tishri, the 28th of Elul, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressed the UN General Assembly. Listen to what he said. Tomorrow evening, he said, tomorrow evening, Jews around the world will celebrate Rosh Hashanah. He said it right, by the way. He said the beginning of our new year. It's a time of reflection, and we look back with wonder at the miraculous rebirth of our nation. And we look ahead with pride to the remarkable contributions Israel will continue to make to all nations. He said to the frowning faces of the useless nations. He said, look around you and you will see those contributions every day. In the food you eat, in the water you drink, in the medicines you take, in the cars you drive, the cell phones you use, and in so many other ways that are transforming our world. He's describing what's coming out of Jewish thinking and Jewish ingenuity. And he's right. He said, you see it in the smile of an African mother in a remote village who, thanks to an Israeli innovation, no longer must walk eight hours a day to bring water to her children. You see it in the eyes of an Arab child who was flown to Israel to undergo a life-saving heart operation. And you see it in the faces of the people in earthquake-stricken Haiti and Nepal who were rescued from the rubble and given new life by Israeli doctors. As the prophet Isaiah said, I have made you a light unto the nations, bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 49, verse 6. And Netanyahu continued, Today, 27 years after Isaiah spoke those prophetic words, Israel is becoming a rising power among the nations. And at long last, its light is shining across the continents, bringing hope and salvation to the ends of the earth. And I say... Wrong. Now, hey, I love Israel. You know that. I actually have great respect for much of what Benjamin Netanyahu has done. Not all of it, but a lot of it. But when he says, when he quotes Isaiah 49.6, he's quoting one of the servant songs of Isaiah that is not talking about Israel. It's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus, the hope, the one who brings salvation to the very ends of the nations. Israel is not that light That light did come, however, through a Jew named Yeshua, named Jesus. And listen, God, while the Jews will celebrate today Rosh Hashanah, and I always hated it because in elementary school, the Jewish kids got that day off. I'm like, I want to be Jewish. And they got eight days worth of presents at Hanukkah, which I didn't appreciate either. I got one. I mean, that, they were guaranteed at least eight gifts. Get four or five in a good year. I know, let it go, Rick. Okay, so while they celebrate Rosh Hashanah, God never prescribed it as such. 
You know, not a single time in the Bible does God say that Tishri the first today is the Jewish New Year. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say celebrate the head of the year. What a weird time for the head of the year as we're going into winter. It doesn't really make sense. Along through the years, it got changed. But on God's calendar, Tishri is not the first of the year, it's not the first month, it's the seventh month. Bible students, what is the first month? Nisan. Nisan. Some of you dried it. (laughs) Nisan is the first month. It's in the springtime. Nisan the 14th, Passover. We went over all that stuff on Sunday. This is now the seventh month on the Jewish calendar year, and God prescribed Tishri the first. Well, let's look at it. Turn in your Bibles back to Numbers 29. Numbers 29. I plan on going 20 minutes. I've already gone 21. Just stay with me. Come on, here we go. Numbers chapter 29, where the Lord says, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book, Numbers 29. The Lord says, Now in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall also have a holy convocation. You shall do no laborious work. It will be to you a day for blowing trumpets. A day, yom, for blowing trumpets, teruah. Yom Teruah. It shall be for you Yom Teruah. So when we say Yom Teruah around here, that's what we're talking about. The day for blowing trumpets. And I've described it and talked to you about it. I want you to go back to Numbers chapter 10. So back a few chapters there. Teruah. Yom means day. Teruah means trumpet. It also means fanfare. So even as we listen to the shofar blowing a few moments ago, that fanfare sound. I mean, it, how many of you saw uh, Charlton Heston uh, part the, the Red Sea in the Ten Commandments? Okay. When they're all leaving Egypt, do you remember that they play, they blow the shofar? And you hear that, you know, Joshua's up there, you know, stubbly. I, I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Joshua. Not Joshua in the Bible, Joshua in the movie. Because he could slide down ropes and blow trumpet. He was cool. And he stood up there and he blew that trumpet. And you can hear it just echoing. That, that scene in the movie still sends chills down my spine because like they're, they're free. They're delivered. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. Oh, fanfare. Fanfare. So in chapter 10 of Numbers, it says, The Lord spoke further to Moses. This is prior to, obviously, Numbers 29. Make yourself two trumpets of silver. Of hammered work you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and for having the camps set out. When both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Yet if one is blown, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, they shall assemble before you. But when you blow an alarm, and that that phrase there, alarm, is teruah, When you blow an alarm, the camps that are pitched on the east side shall set out. When you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are pitched on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown for them to set out. When when convening the assembly, however, you shall blow without sounding an alarm. I don't know how you do that. It's a different kind of blowing. The priestly sons of Aaron, moreover, shall blow the trumpets. And this shall be for you a perpetual statue throughout all your generations. When you go to war in your land against the adversary who attacks you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. And that you, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and be saved from your enemies. Also, in the day of your gladness and in your appointed feasts and on the first days of your months, 
you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be as a reminder to you before your God, I am the Lord your God. Two silver trumpets. So we have the shofar, which is that ram's horn. David, do you have your shofar over there, son? Hold that up real high. That, that's a, a small ram's horn right there. So that's kind of a picture of what it looks like. And you can get much bigger ones in Israel, which are a whole lot of fun to get through customs. Yeah, there, there is. Check out that one back there. So there's a ram's horn. It's a shofar. And, and uh, Gary's going to uh, regale us with his abilities. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> so that's the ram's horn. They blew that. And the first mention of a trumpet in the Bible is that ram's horn. But in Numbers 10, he says, I want you to... I want you to blow two silver trumpets. And what's interesting in Second or First Chronicles 15, two trumpets went to seven trumpets. And then in Second Chronicles chapter 5, seven trumpets went to 120 trumpets. So when Solomon's temple was built and all the people gathered there, they weren't just blowing a couple of trumpets. Solomon did everything big, you know? So did David, because David's the one who wrote out all the plans. 120 silver trumpets. Can you imagine being in Jerusalem on Yom Teruah and 120 trumpets facing all directions around the Temple Mount being blown in celebration, not of the head of the year, but a celebration of God's faithfulness. A reminder by blowing that He still had this land. And a blowing that was preparation for what was coming ten days later. What was that? Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement. That was the day for them to look forward to more than any other on the calendar year. Because that's when sin was atoned for. But I found that interesting. Two types of trumpets. Why? And what's the difference? Do you blow the shofar at certain times and the silver trumpets at other times? And if you've ever blown a shofar, is it when the shofar gets really stinky so you don't want to blow it, so you blow the silver trumpets? What's the distinction between the two? Shofar is ram's horn. And hatsotsra is the silver trumpet or the trumpet. So which, which one is blown on Tishri the first? The hatsotsra or the shofar? Which one do they blow? You know what? The rabbis don't know. And even going back to uh, three different tractates of the Babylonian Talmud, they don't know. In fact, it says what was called a trumpet has become a shofar. And what was called a shofar has become a trumpet. So they're, they're interchangeable. And we even see this in Scripture. By the time that you get to Hosea chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Blow the ram's horn, shofar, in Gabeah, and blow the hasosra, the, the trumpet, in Ramah. So they use both referring to this idea of the sound of the trumpet. You know what? The point is not the ram's horn. The point is not the silver trumpet. The point is the sound. The sound. Whether it's for an alarm or an assembly or an appointed feast, the real question is, are we paying attention? For Israel, are you listening for the sound of the trumpet? For the church, are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? Are we paying attention when God is trying to get our attention? Are we listening? The Israelites were camped out at Gilgal. And 
they, they enjoyed uh, Passover there. It was, it was in the springtime. So they just celebrated Passover in Gilgal. And Joshua's out for a walk. They're just outside of Jericho. Joshua goes walking. And as he does so, he comes across an interesting uh, person. It says it came about, this is Joshua chapter 5, just listen to the story. It came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him. Now see, that's why I like Joshua. If I was out for a walk by myself near Jericho and I saw a man with a sword drawn, I would run the other way. Joshua just goes over to him. And he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? I love the answer. No. (laughs) Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And I believe that was none other than Jesus. In a pre-incarnate appearance, what some call a theophany, what we would call a Christophany, I come now as captain of the host of the Lord. Well, why would you say that's Jesus? Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. He actually commands Joshua to get into a position of worship, which is blasphemy if it's not God. So Joshua's there before Jesus. And we're told Joshua did so. Jericho was tightly shut in because of the sons of Israel. No one went out. No one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, circling the city once. And you shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, that final long blast, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So they did it. Joshua goes back to the camp. I met this guy. You're not even going to believe what he told us to do. This is the battle plan of God. March around the city and don't do anything. And then blow a trumpet and yell real loud. Okay? So they do it. We're told, back in, or down in verse 10, Joshua commanded the people saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, and then you shall shout. And so that's what they did. They went over to Jericho. All the valiant fighting men and the priests with the seven trumpets. And they marched around the city. And as they marched, the priests blew the trumpets. But nobody said a word. Aside from the sound that we just heard, the shofar blowing and echoing through that valley, nobody spoke. Utter silence from the people. For six days they did this. And then on day seven, Joshua 6 verse 20 says... The people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, the wall fell down flat, and all the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. Now get this, I told you that story for a reason. The loud combination of trumpets and shouting is intended. Because Yom Teruah 
It's not just the day of the trumpet. It's not just the day of the fanfare. Teruah also means shout. Shouting. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord in a trumpet and a shout. And that is Yom Teruah. And that's what the day is about. That's really my short version. I know you're going, really? I want to give you some instructions. I'm going to read a final verse. We'll pray, and here's what we're going to do. Here are the instructions. We're going to go outside, all of us together, out the front doors, right around the big rock. Okay? We're just going to get in a big circle around the rock. It's kind of cool. And when I was a kid, I always loved doing stuff outside at night. Didn't matter what it was. If you got to go outside at night, it was cool. So we're going to do that, and we're going to blow our trumpets. Now, Leslie, do you have those? Do the kids have those? Are you in... Okay, so Leslie and, and maybe you're going to give them, okay, so stop by Leslie and you're going to get one of these amazing shofars. Okay, every child, there will be one at both doors, so every kid grab a shofar and they sound. You see why I played the audio thing? Okay, so kids, get your shofar when you head out the door, okay? Don't blow it. I mean, literally, do not blow your shofar. Don't make a sound. You'll mess the whole thing up, and then God will smite thee. (laughs) Some kid's going to be like... Don't blow them. Hold on to it. Go out quietly. Hold those trumpets, kids. We're going to gather around. And like the children of Israel, I'm going to give you a count. I'll go one, two, three. And then we'll blow as loud as we can. And we're going to, But we're not going to shout. Don't make any other noise. Just blow those bad boys. Okay? And the neighbors are watching TV and they'll go... And someone right down Troxel is reading the news right now about weird Christians talking about the end of the world. And they'll go... <laughs> but listen, we're going to do this. We're going to do this six times. All right? I'll go one, two, three. Blow! One, two, three. Blow! Six times. At the end of six times, this is where we all jump in. I, we're going to shout together three times... Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, with one voice, we'll just shout, Praise the name of Jesus. I will, I will direct you in that. So we all, you know, it's not going to be like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, so we'll go out. Six times I'm going to have the kids blow. If you have another shofar and you want to blow that, we'll do that all together. And then at the end of that, three times under direction, we'll say, praise the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus, praise the name of Jesus. Why? Why are we doing this? Last verse. Psalm 81, verse 1. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. 
Strike the timbrel, the sweet-sounding lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. We're doing this because we expect Jesus to come. Tonight would be wonderful. Like I told you, it would be so cool if we blew and then we just... (laughs) But that's not the point. The point is the honoring of Jesus Christ. We don't know the day or the hour, but we expect Jesus to come. And when He does, it will be glorious. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word to us. Now thank You, Father, for for giving us listening ears and helping us to hear Your Word. And we pray now, Father, we want to have fun with this. But Lord Jesus, we want to honor You with this. We want to go out right now with the right heart. And that heart is truly, not just to make noise at night, but to, to acknowledge the greatness and the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Lord, we do this to the glory of Your name, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so let's head out. You can talk until you get to the doors, then stop your talking, get your trumpets, we'll meet out in the parking lot.